Ah, thank you, team. Take your Bible this morning and go to the last book of Scripture in Revelation and the next to the last chapter. We are in these days looking at Revelation 21 and 22. Uh, these next few weeks, uh, verse by verse, we'll be walking through these last two chapters where the Lord uh, speaks to us uh, about the eternal state and where saved people are headed. And so I want you to turn there in Revelation 21. We'll read in a moment. Now understand coming before chapter 21, uh, the next thing on God's agenda is the rapture of the church. I mean, you're just walking down and bang. There's a shout, trumpet, the dead in Christ that are buried get up. All that are alive and remain are called up together with him in the clouds ever to be uh, with him in the air. First Thessalonians, we read about that and speak of it often when we are going for a funeral. There comes rapture. After rapture comes the great tribulation, this seven-year uh, period of hey Magala, hey Philipsis, as the Greek New Testament tells us, uh, hey Magala, uh, that greatest of all greats, and Philipsis is that word we get tribulation from, uh, and following the rapture comes tribulation, then there's a thousand-year reign of Christ with the millennium, following that comes the great white throne judgment that you see in chapter 20, uh, and you can see all of the lost judged, and you find that in the 20th chapter. And then we transition into chapters 21 and 22 when he speaks of the eternal state, the end of all things when God makes all things new, and we will see that in our text today. So you have your Bible, pick it up, look at it. Revelation 21, we begin reading there in verse number 1 and read through verse number 7. Hear now the word of our great God. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right. For these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. You run into verse number 8, and... You see the other side. We'll talk about that. We'll uh, exposit verse number 8 next Sunday in a new message that I've entitled, Hell, Yes or No. <laughs> Out of Revelation 21 and verse number 8, and he talks about 
those that are lost. But today, we are on the positive side of the eternal state. When God makes all things new. Jesus, in John 14, is being quoted. The people are a little worrisome. And he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't worry. Verse number three, he says, I am going to prepare a place for you. And I'll come again, receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. Jesus went to prepare a place. It's that that we're talking about today. He's at work. He's preparing a place. And he's coming again to get us and to carry us into that eternal state where all things are made new different. We see it in verse number five. Behold, I am making all things new. It is, uh, you know, there's sometimes you make things new. It's like taking an old car and fixing it up. That's not this word. This is new of a new kind. It is altogether different. It's like nothing you've seen before. He is making all things new on the other side. What is there? Well, as I've looked at this, I I could preach for a long, long time on just these seven verses. You could take each verse and uh, extrapolate uh, truth right out of those. But I want to just dip in and find these four items that I want to show you, these things that are going to be new on the other side. And then I want to give a gospel invitation if you're not prepared. Uh, For heaven, I invite you to come today and know it. Have your sin forgiven. Come, know that you know you know that you're going to heaven when you die. What is going to be new about this place? Well, number one, he says there is a new calm that is coming, a new calm that is coming. Notice verse number one, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there is no longer any sea. God created, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's a new heaven and a new earth. The same God that created the first will create the last. The first will go away. Uh, Peter speaks to it in 2 Peter 3, verses 7 and verse 10. Hear what uh, the Word of God says. Uh, But by His Word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Then in verse number 10, Peter goes on to say, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. That, that we are on now. There's coming a day when the heavens and the earth that we know today, the very earth that people stood on yesterday and looked up into the sky watching those airplanes go by. From the red, white, and blues, uh, looking into the heavens, those heavens will one day go away. The earth will be remade, and there will be a new heaven, and there will be a new earth. And he gives one, one, only one description of that place. It's the last phrase of verse number one. And there will no longer be any sea. No sea. The new heaven and new earth, he says there's no longer sea. Well, you know, two-thirds of the globe today is sea. The ocean. 
we love it, but they did not love the oceans when John was on Patmos. What, what did the oceans speak of to them? They spoke of mystery. If I sail out into that deal, will I run off? Will I ever come back? I can't see the other side. Is, is there any end to it? It was a mystery. They didn't have Google Earth. They couldn't see. It was mysterious. It was scary. It, it was also turbulent. The sea would roar with storms. We know that even today. You see, many times when Jesus, even on the Sea of Galilee, would be there and the, the storm would come and rage when that water uh, or when that wind comes whistling through those mountains in Israel and it stirs up uh, the Sea of Galilee down in that bowl. And, and we find times when Jesus would come walking on the water in the storm. He'd say, peace, be still. The sea spoke of turbulence. It also spoke of separation. John is on Patmos. He's on the island of Patmos. He, he's been put in prison. That's where he is when he's getting the revelation. He's there on Patmos, and he's come across the sea from Ephesus, and he longs to go to his church at Ephesus, but he can't go to church. He can't even get out of his prison. He, he's incarcerated, and it's there that the Spirit of God is speaking to him. But the sea has separated him from the people of God. Friend, there comes a day when there's no mystery, there's no turbulence, there'll be no separation, hallelujah, we'll be calm, stress-free. How about that? Amen. No COVID over there. Amen. There's no depression over there. No memory lapse over there. No elections over there. No denominations over there. Amen. It's a place of calm. The mystery's gone, the turbulence. No separate, no sea. Is there? Thank God for heaven. You know, we sing about heaven a good bit there. I've looked at the, some of the old hymns about heaven, and there's one. I, uh, just think of this. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. Sing the chorus with me. In the what? Sure, there ain't no sea over there. Shores? That's what the book says. That's what this book says. This book says there's no sea over there. I still like that song. <laughs> In the sweet by and by, we will be 
where there is no sea anymore. That's the way you ought to sing that song in amen. No sea. No sea. Rachel, I got a text after first church today from Angie. Angie loves the beach. Angie's my daughter's best buddy growing up in this church. She texted me after first church. She said, I have not listened to you online for several weeks, and I turn in today and I learn there's no sea in heaven. She said, I ain't listening again. I'm telling you, I'm not. <laughs> well, the symbolism that is, that is there, is it literal? May very well be. We, maybe we need all that land mass for all the people's going to be there. I don't know. I, I don't make the promises. I just preach them. I, I don't write the text. I just extrapolate it. That's my job. He says there's no sea in that place. And it speaks of this calm, peace, stressless place for us. What a place that we are going. A new calm, a new calm is there. But secondly... There's a new city. He says it in verse number 2. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem. How many of you have been to old Jerusalem? Okay, this is not that. This is new Jerusalem. Old Jerusalem, pretty cool to walk through, but I'm telling you, I'd hate to have to spend heaven there. Oh, my goodness. You get so lost down in those little narrow roads, you never get out. New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned, cosmeo, for her husband. New Jerusalem is adorned as a bride for a husband. Now, chapter 19 says the church is a bride that's been adorned for her husband. But this is not the church. This is the city. This is the dwelling place for the church. The church has been adorned, cosmio, same word, as the city here that we come into. And the church is the bride, yes, and this is her dwelling place. This is the capital of the eternal order. Her description is found beginning in verse number 9, and in three weeks we'll look at that where we see, and he talks about all the foundations and the color and everything that's there. He describes this new city, but today he simply mentions it in verse number 2. This city is a real place. Listen to me, beloved. Listen. When you go to heaven, when you die, if you're saved, you, you're not going to sit out there on a cloud and it's in a fog and in a spirit. It's a real place. Amen. It's as real as New York City. It's as real as Tokyo. It's as real as Paris. It's as real as old Jerusalem. It is the city made new. And how is it made? It is adorned like a bride for the groom. Cosmio is the word adorned. We get our word cosmetic out of that word. We get our word cosmos out of that, created. I'll do weddings, and if I do them in this room, I'll come with the groom. Down these steps we come, we stand right there. No one except one person looks at him. Nobody gives a rip about that dude. <laughs> Save his mother who's sitting right down here. 
Only mama has eyes for the groom. Amen. Every other eye is on the back door. When's she coming? When's she coming? When's she coming? And they throw open those doors, and here she comes, Cosmio. Adorned, coming to her groom. Paul said in Ephesians that the church will be made holy by the washing of the water of the Word of God. That's the cosmio. Everything godless that remains in us will be washed away. That's the sanctifying process that ought to be going on now and will be complete when we get to the other side. Glory to God. And here she comes down the aisle. Amen. I've never seen anything but a beautiful bride. One preacher told me one time, said, I've never seen an ugly bride. <laughs> he said, I've had a close call or two, but he said, I've never seen <laughs> an ugly bride. That's what he said. I never said that. I'm telling you, they're all beautiful. Is they, they come cosmio down. The, I'm telling you, that's going to be us one day. As we head to that city, the city is adorned. The church is adorned. And we are there in that place for eternity. It's a real place, beloved. Hear me. You're, do, do you love to visit a new city from time to time? I do. I, I, I like to go. I, I remember not, this two, three years ago, I went to Ontario. I'd never been to Ontario. I'm not talking about Ontario, Canada. I'm talking about Ontario, California. I'd never been there before. I was preaching at Gateway at, at one of our Baptist institutions, seminary called Gateway. And they asked me to come, and they said, fly to Ontario. I said, it seems like it's going to be a long way in a rent car. I, I just, they said, no, not Canada, California. And I flew there, and Gateway, our seminary, right across the street from the airport. I got, it's a beautiful place, brand new. I, I mean, everything's new, and the city and the buildings at the school, gorgeous. I love to visit there. Went across, preached, had a great day, flew back home, didn't have to mess with Los Angeles. That was the best part of that whole deal. Just to be able to visit a new, well, let me tell you, friend, we're going to a new place, a place you've never been, like nothing you've ever seen. Thank God for heaven. There's a new calm there. It's a new city. Number three, there's a new community. Notice it in verse 3. Now I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And he who dwells among them, he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them. He, he comes to tabernacle. Skino is, is our word. It's the same word for tent. He tabernacles among us. It's like a tent. God has tabernacled throughout history among his people. In the Old Testament, he tabernacled in the temple, and the presence of God was there, and only the high priest could go in once a year. He tabernacled there. When God became flesh, that's the same word, that he's skino. He, he came uh, like a tent dwelling among us. God came to tabernacle in Jesus and walked among us for those years that Jesus was here. Now the Holy Ghost of God is the presence of God, and he tabernacles in you. But there's a day coming when God will be in that city and He will be our God and we will be His people. The redeemed 
of all the ages. He speaks about that over in verse 6 when he says, I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. That if you come thirsty, he will give you the water of life. Jesus said in John 7 verse 37, if anyone is thirsty, let him come and drink, and I will give to him freely. And here he says, without cost. In verse number 7, he says, I will be his God, and he will be my son. Jesus said in John chapter 1, verse number 12, as many as received me to them gave I the power to become the children of God. Listen, friend, when we get there, it's a new community. It's God and his people. God and his people. God and his people. The question is, are you his people? It's, it's a new community. The Old Testament saints will be there. Abraham, Moses, Elijah, David. Saints from the church will be there. Tribulation saints will be there. Millennial saints will be there. The people of God will be there. You must be born again to get in. Friend, this is one place you must have a reservation to go. And you must make that reservation this side of your death. But when you do, you're a part of the new community of the living God in a new heaven. And in a new earth. There's a new calm. There's a new city. There's a new community. And lastly, there's a new comfort. Look at it in verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. No longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. No tears. Oh, glory to God. Nobody dies there. Amen. Not even any pain. Friend, you don't even limp in heaven, let alone die. Glory to God. <laughs> oh, there's all kind of questions around this. How are we going to be when we get there, Pastor? I, I, I have a guess, but I have no Bible for it. I think we're going to be the age of Jesus when he dies. That's what I think. For most of us, 30 is a pretty good deal. 90, not so much. Amen? Yeah. You think about those little babies that die. They're going, I don't know. I just know this, there'll be no mourning there, there'll be no crying. I can tell you this, this preacher's tired of going to the graveyard. I've been more this year than I believe I've ever been. I remember the first funeral I ever did in my ministry was a baby two days old. That's tough. Boy, you talk about tears. We had tears. Sometimes I'll pull off 59, go up on Simmons Mountain where that grave is and just go out there and walk around until I find that little Simmons infant. I thought, Lord God, that mom and daddy, they wept and wept. Mother couldn't even come. 
they put that baby in a little box and put it in the back seat of my car and I drove that casket to that country cemetery where I pastored that little church. I remember the girl that died, she wasn't a teenager. She had a set in a wheelchair right through here. Had a bad disease. We buried her. Oh, Lord, there's weeping in this house that day. Hmm. It's hard. We had a nurse, man, that served in the hospital, died in the hospital. He was just taking a break, laid down, never got up, left a wife and three children. They were weeping that day. I walked in the home where my mother is, and a lady walked in behind me yesterday, asked me about one of our members, Mary Bass. Mary, a long-time member here, and she's there with my mama. She's 95. She said, Pastor, she won't be here long. She's quit eating. She, she won't be here long. I looked at her, and a big tear rolled down her face. You hear this preacher? Bless God, we're going somewhere. There is never that again. It's the hope of heaven. No weeping, no pain, no dying. Just glory. He said, well, now, now, Pastor, how's it going to be that I'm not ever even sad when some people that I know don't make it? Hmm. Or, preacher, I, I was abused. I was a little girl and I was abused. How am I ever going to get over that to have joy? Hmm. Because I've been hurt, deep hurt. My husband was a scoundrel, walked off. Well, there's a promise in Isaiah 65 and verse 17. I think it'll help you with it. The Bible says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered nor come to mind. Now, I'm telling you, that's a verse worth writing in your Bible right there and marking it in your Bible. The former things, you won't remember. They won't even come to mind. Amen. They, they're gone. Hmm. Some of you seen that movie, uh, Men in Black. They got that little flashy thing. And if they don't want you to remember, they just flash it and it's gone. I don't know how God's going to do it. But I, I, I don't have to tell you how. I'm just here to tell you what. And I'm telling you the promise of God is those things that were difficult will not even come to mind. They won't be remembered because it's a place of glory with no mourning that, that is there. It is a place of new comfort. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Jesus says, Write these things because I am faithful and true in verse number 5. You mark this down. He's faithful, he's true. He's faithful, he's true. He will not tell you a lie and he will not give up on you. Our great king is faithful and he is true and everything he speaks to us 
you can count on it. He then says, it is done. It's done in verse number six. You can take it to the bank, bless God. If he spoke it, you, you can count on it. You can write a check on it every time. It is done. Jesus said that one time when he said to Telestai, it's done. It's finished. Everything need be done for your salvation and mine was done at Calvary's cross and at an empty tomb. It is done. And then he uses that phrase, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha, the first letter in the Greek alphabet. Omega, the last letter in the Greek alphabet. It is the A and the Z for us English folk. Hmm. Jesus starts it and he stops it. You can't even be born unless he says so and you won't die till he tells you to. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He always, every time for eternity will have the last word. Hmm. I get a charge out of people texting me. There's some people that when they text, they always want the last word. You, you say, thank you. And then you put smiley face and they come back. They can't stand it. They, they got to have the last word. Matter of fact, on, on days when I'm just feeling kind of froggy a little bit, I, I've kept people going for three or four minutes with that. And just say, there's no way that they'll let me have the last word. And I'm just all... After first service this morning, John Tyner sent me a text, and, and I texted him back, and he said, I'm dying to send something back, but I'm afraid you're going to want me to have the last word. I said, amen. I waited about two minutes before I walked out here, and I sent him one of these. <laughs> Listen to me, friend. You will not have the last word. The Omega has the last word. You won't die till he says so. But when he says so, you're going to come up here. I had a friend out in Dallas, still my friend. He's a preacher. I've heard him more than once. He'd stand in front of his chair. He said, Beloved, Beloved, oh, Beloved, when you live long enough, you're going to die, Beloved. Let me say to you this morning, Beloved, when you live long enough, you're going to die. And you're either going to be told to come up here or depart from me because I never knew you. Once you reach the age that you can draw social security 
you start thinking more about dying. You get to thinking, well, how long? Everybody asks you, have I got enough money to make it? <laughs> if you're 20, you probably never thought on it. I'm sitting in a board meeting Thursday night and got a phone call from Sean Pillay. I looked at my phone. I said, he knows I'm in this. Why is he calling me? Why don't he leave me alone? I just clicked it off. The moment he rang the phone again, I thought something's up. Right over here on Cody, he had had a wreck. wasn't his fault. God come across the line and ran into he and Destiny. I jumped up, ran to my car, got there as fast as I could. One of our members had heard it and had come out, and I was the first one to get there after that. We, we talked about it. I'm, I'm telling you, if that car had come across a little further, oh, Lord, it could have been a bad day. But look right here at me. You can't die till God says so. You here in this preacher? He is the Omega. And when he says so, you'll come. My mother has said to me, You better get your mind right. I've heard that all my life. You better get your mind right. <laughs> Beloved, you better get your heart right. You better be ready because the Omega's coming. And when he comes, you will What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. After first service, some kid called me and said, Preacher, you don't sing so good. I said, Bless God, I wasn't singing to you. I do my own singing, you do yours. That great getting up morning. In your hymnal, there's a guy that wrote, he's in the top five in the numbers of hymns in the book. His name is B.B. McKinney. He taught music at Southwestern Seminary for over 40 years. He put together the Baptist hymnal, and all of his songs, not all, but many of them, were, were included uh, with the committee. And somebody asked Dr. McKinney one day, Dr. McKinney, all I see is B.B. McKinney, B period, B period, McKinney. They said, what's B.B. stand for? He said, little shot. They said, what? He said, a BB, like in a kid's gun. He said, I'm just a little shot singing about the big shot that died for me. I liked how to run and spell, and I read that this week. <laughs> if we'll ever get over being a big shot, we might get small enough for Jesus to save us. Hallelujah.
you got to bring your life to the foot of the cross. And when you come, he said, I got water for you to drink. If you're thirsty, come. If you're thirsty, come. Now I want you to do one more thing and then we're going to sing a song and give an invitation. I want you to take a, a pen right like this right here. There's one in front of you down there in a pew rack. If you want everybody to get one, everybody get one. I want you to write something down. Get a piece of paper. Or you can write it in your Bible. You can write it on your hand if you want to. I don't care where you write it. I want you to write this down. Write down the date you trusted Jesus. You made your heavenly reservation. You say, well, I don't know the exact date, preacher. Well, it was 57 years ago last week for me on a Thursday in vacation Bible school. You may not know the exact date, but I'm telling you, you've been born again. You, you can guess pretty close because you were there when it happened. I got saved. When was it? Write that down. Just take a piece of paper. Write it down right now. Just write it down. Right, right there. For me, I'd write down 1963, June. I, I, I can go find the day, but I don't have it in my head. That's when you made your reservation for glory. You got it written down? If you couldn't write it down because you don't know and you believe God would save you today, I want you to get up when we sing this song, walk right down here to me. And when you leave here, I'm going to write it right here on your forehead. Not really, but July 11, 2021. What a great day it'd be to get saved. Hallelujah. Come to the King. If you need to join His church, it'd be a great day to do that. But if you need to make reservations for heaven, today's a great day. As Jesus said, whoever comes unto me, I'll in no wise cast you out. Whoever confesses my name, I will save you if you'll come running. He'll put His arms around you and save you today, friend. Come. Come. Make reservations where all things will be new. Father, move, save, convict, and change, I pray. Thank you for being the first and the last, beginning and the end. And oh, Jesus, be the Savior of some today. For Christ's sake and glory, amen.